This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. everyone, and welcome to Better Late Than Never, a movie podcast where I invite a friend to watch a blockbuster, cult favorite, or otherwise culturally significant film that they've never seen before. After we watch the movie, my guest will decide if it was better late, that they've been missing out by not having seen the film, or never. The movie just didn't live up to the hype for them. My name is Dave, and I'm your host, and this week I'm joined by one of my all-time favorite returning guests in the whole entire world. His name is Brian. Hi, Brian. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. I guess I might be going a little bit overboard on this because... Whoa. Oh, yeah. No, I don't actually really care for you very much oh, at all. Oh, God. You could have waited till I left for the... All right, fine. Hmm. Um... Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Uh, I suppose uh, I should explain the great irony of this is that you live on the West Coast of the United States. I do. And so normally you and I are used to doing these podcasts over the magic of the Internet, not in person. But this week we have you here in person in the studio. That's right. Which is so exciting because I had gotten used to now every single podcast with everybody else is now due to the plague is now done over the internet. So the whole world is flip turned upside down. Sweet irony. Sweet, sweet irony. Sweet, sweet Bryony. Because now I get to have you in studio here visiting me. You're the first person I have seen in the flesh in like three months <laughs> i'm honored to be one of those people and honored to see you glad we could be safe you know and still get together get tested stay distant but yes and to explain just so it's clear to everybody the reason brian is able to come inside is because we have been safe we have been tested for covid quarantined and safety procedures observed in such a way that we can actually be in the same room together so that all being the case. We're potted up, if you will. hey Yeah, but anyway, uh, I guess I got a little bit ahead of myself because, Brian, welcome to the show. We are watching a film that you have never seen before, and that is Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Oh, I didn't know there was a... There's a subtitle. A subtitle. <laughs> yeah. And there's even more to the intro, Brian. Merry Christmas! Hey, hey, Merry Christmas, Dave. Well, it's it's not that merry for me. I this is a hard time of year for me. Oh, I mean, what do you mean by that? Well, 
I don't know if I ever told you this story, but when I was a kid, my my dad dressed up as Santa Claus and Oh, I'm sure it was to, you know, bring you presents and surprise you, right? Well, it, it was, it was, but he, he wanted to go the full Monty and um actually sneak down the chimney and uh he he slipped and broke his neck on the way down, died instantly. Oh my god, did you discover him right away? No, it wasn't for several days later when the the firefighters uh broke down the chimney and found his rat-eaten, bloated, Santa-suited carcass. Oh, yeah, so I see you remember Gremlins 1. Yes, the reason we are doing Gremlins 2 here for Christmas is because I guess it is now becoming a Christmas tradition for us to watch the Gremlins films. There are only two, so I guess the tradition ends today. But um, For now. For now, yeah, we'll actually talk about that. But, um, yeah, Uh, last year for Christmas, we watched uh, Gremlins 1. Uh, which I believe you enjoyed, yeah. seemingly since you remember Kate's monologue, her amazing story about her her dad coming to surprise her as Santa. A.K.A. the greatest, worst scene in <laughs> film history. I love it. Uh, yeah, that was that was a fantastic experience, and I, I really appreciate you exposing me to Gremlins 1. Uh, and in fact, to to show you my appreciation, I wanted to present you with a little token Oh my God, Brian, thank you so much. What a beautiful Christmas gift. For those of you who are not here in person, which is everybody, (laughs) Brian has just given me a gizmo pin, which is so cute. Yes, it's it's an enamel pin of our favorite... Do you remember what they're called? Gremlin. Uh, oh, Mogwai. Mogwai, yes. that's right. Yeah. Gizmo, the only lovable one. Yeah, why is he the only nice one? I don't know. Something about Mr. Uh, Mr. Wing's caring uh, um, parentage, I guess. Mm. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, well, it's okay. Well, thank you. I didn't get you anything. Well, this this was meant to be a surprise, you know. You still have a little bit of time to do your shopping before Christmas. So. Oh God! But I love it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm a big fan of this movie series, so I will wear it with pride. And in fact, I'm a big fan of this one in particular. Something that we will also talk about in a second. Um, but yeah, so you um you considered Gremlins one a better late, and you liked it. So we figured we'd do Gremlins two here for Christmas, and um. Yeah, I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, how much you remember Gremlins 1. So clearly you remember Kate's uh, monologue. You know, I also, Brian, find this to be a pretty tough time of year. Oh? Yeah, I, you know, kind of feel like it's the kind of year where, you know, most people, they're opening up their presents. But for me, I'm opening up my wrists. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) A bit of, uh, not quite how she says it, but another great line from Kate in Gremlins 1. Oh, I, I forgot about that one thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's 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 a Kate line. Yeah, but, um, so, all right, I, I was going to quiz you on a few key things from Gremlins 1, including what is Gizmo's name, which you knew, or maybe I gave away already, uh, and what is the name of his species, Mogwai, which you knew. All that's left, of course, really is, what are the rules? Okay, rule the first: do not expose them to sunlight. It's it's 
particularly sunlight. Is it but any light? It's bright light. Okay. Bright light and especially sunlight. Okay. And that that kills them. Second rule is do not get them wet. Right. Um, and, and why is that? That causes them to multiply. Indeed. And the third rule is do not give them food after midnight, I believe. Never feed them after midnight. But I don't recall why on that one. Well, the movie's called Gremlins. Do you recall how the transformation happens from furry mogwai to horrible green slimy gremlin is it eating food after midnight you feed them after midnight they turn into the gremlins so it stands to reason then that uh, gizmo has just never been fed after midnight like maybe he would be horrible if he was well, see, that's that that is a question that has plagued fans since the very first movie, which is because his offspring always come out bad, and so when they turn into the gremlins, they are bad. But the question is, if Gizmo were to turn into a gremlin, would he also be a dick? I think he would be a gremlin but continue to be nice. Hmm. Is my theory, because that's just Gizmo. Um But Gizmo seems to have a pretty good internal clock because in the first movie uh, he is offered food after midnight and declines. Oh, he shakes it off. Yeah. Hmm. He he's, shakes he's it off. He's self-aware. Yeah. Hmm. So um, let's switch over to Gremlins 2 now. Question the first. Uh, so you haven't seen it. Uh, was there any particular reason why? I mean, did you avoid it for any reason? Uh, I think that at the end of the pod last year... Um, uh, I seem to recall that you told me there was a second one and it was always kind of like, okay, well, obviously I haven't seen the second one. So that's another opportunity that, you know, we should save it for the pod basically. But so. growing up, you never like deliberately stayed away from it. No, no, no. These just weren't on my radar for okay. whatever reason. Okay, cool. Um, do you remember who directed the movies? Um... I don't. I recall that it was produced by Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. And the writer was Christopher Columbus. Yeah. Um, but I don't recall who the director was. Okay. What do you think it's about? I mean, I I have to imagine that it's Christmas again. Okay. Um, Like, it's a year later, and that's, something happened to 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 mr wing um is it it's wing right it's mr wing yes the shopkeeper yeah so good memory on that by the way i'm thinking i'm thinking that he maybe he dies or something and um his grandson has to deal with um with gizmo and maybe they go back into the town to enlist the help of the the characters from the first one I don't know. Maybe there's a maybe there's an invasion of bad gremlins from somewhere else, and uh, they kind of have to go back to the people who know how to how to deal with bad gremlins, and that's that's sort of what brings them all back into the town. Okay, so you think this will probably involve going back to the town somehow and getting the the townspeople back involved in some way because they have they have gremlin experience. That's that's my best guess. Um, 
that who knows maybe it's gremlins gremlin in the city or gizmo in the city or something but um i'm, I'm thinking you know they're gonna keep with the with the suburbs vibe gremlins what, what in was the, space <laughs> yeah. what was the subtitle again the new batch Oh, the most creative possible gotcha. subtitle they could have given it. Okay, well that that does kind of solidify the guess that there's a new there's a new batch in town, and what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. Well, because I mean, all of the gremlins were killed at the end, right? Or were they? Dun 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 dun. Um, does Gremlins Two have any kind of reputation, as far as you know? No. I, I'm going in completely cold as far as how it was received, how much it made, anything like that. No clue. All right. So you have no idea who's in it? I mean, you were guessing the townspeople, but uh, who do you think is going to show up? Uh, and Mr. Wing's grandson. Yeah, I'm going to go with the main two um, kids from the first one. And... Um, Mr. Wing's grandson. Definitely Gizmo is coming back. Of course. And I'm going to go with Judge Reinhold as well. Okay. Um, and let's let's see. What is this? Mid-80s? Late-80s? Uh, this came out in 1990. 1990. Okay. Um, Susan Sarandon's in it. Okay. So given how cold you are, I'm going to assume there are no quotes from the film that you've heard. It's a me, a gizmo. Gizmo doesn't talk like that. Yeah, he doesn't talk. That's clearly Waluigi. Oh, oh. speaking of which, uh, Howie Mandel returns to voice gizmo. <laughs> sure, again. sure, sure, sure. Uh, any any shots or scenes that you're anticipating? I mean, it's it's gonna be violent. Um, mm. That's what I'm. That's what I'm imagining. the The first one was pretty violent. Um, and that also brings me to another prediction, which is that this is going to be rated PG-13. Okay. One thing that I remembered about the first one is that it was it was rated PG, and I was kind of astounded at that because there was so much violence and things like smoking and drinking and stuff, um, and and that kind of led to the the history of the the MPA ratings, where at right. the time there was no PG-13. And I believe it was Spielberg um, who, in the wake of criticism around this and Indiana Jones. Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom um, kind of pushed for something intermediate between PG and R. Yeah, it was those two movies, basically, that led to the existence of that rating, the PG-13 rating, yeah. So I've got to think that by 1990, they've got that PG-13, and then they're going to go with it for this one since Spielberg was the, the you know, the main track. And, and and the predecessor movie, right. in fact, yeah. Okay, cool. That's a, that's a cool... Uh, you, you had a very good memory for the first installment of this series. You're remembering it better than I did. Man, it was... It was a seminal moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a great film. Um, all right. Uh, I made a big deal about the the potential for toys that you may have seen in the first one, but given that you have already given me a wonderful product from the uh, Gremlin series, I'm going to guess that you're familiar with toys from this uh, movie series already, so I'm not going to ask you about that. But what I am going to ask you is, do you remember the music? Oh, you know, I don't. Um, shoot. 
no, this is going to slap me in the face, I guess, when they, when we start up the second one, but I I don't. All right, you'll uh, you'll recognize it when it uh, it they it, there is a Gremlins Mayhem theme. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Hey, you know what? This this just came back to me. Um, thinking about uh toys and gadgets is that the the main character's dad was this horrible inventor. Wacky inventor. Yes. Yeah. So I'm really hoping we get a whole slew of new um, you know. Uh, constantly malfunctioning but uh kind of goofy um uh inventions from from this character okay cool cool any other predictions or hopes no i think let's leave it there yeah all right cool so i'm gonna say i love this movie there is a strong argument to be made that this might be the film I've seen the most in my life. Wow. Um, and the reason for that is I may have mentioned this in the Ghostbusters uh, episode, the Ghostbusters, the Ghostbusters remake episodes. Um, the reason for this is that um, growing up, um, my grandfather, uh, I visit, he had an apartment in New York City and I'd go visit him and my family would go visit him pretty frequently and he had a VHS player and he owned two VHS tapes. He owned Ghostbusters 2 and Gremlins 2. Wow. And so I have seen those two movies basically more than any other film growing up. I should take that back. He, he also owned The Sound of Music um, but I, I ignored that one, although right. on any trip where my sister was also involved, that tape got a lot of play. So kind of unwillingly through osmosis, I am pretty familiar with that film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hills are alive with the sound of my hatred for musicals. <laughs> um, so, but anyway, so yeah, I've, but so I've seen Ghostbusters 2 a shitload, uh, probably not that great a film if you really want to be honest about it Mm -hmm. uh gremlins 2 i have also seen a ton and love uh and this one probably deserves it like this movie's fucking awesome dude so i can't wait (laughs) fantastic to watch this so yeah let's uh let's not waste any more time and let's go watch gremlins 2 uh we will be back hell yeah hell yeah this is the part I forget how it goes from there. Da, 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 da. That's it. Oh my goodness. Grim 2, Mogwai in the City. Mogwai in the City, baby. <laughs> there was a big spate of things uh, going to the big city around that time. Totally. Jason, Babe. Mm-hmm. I don't know who else. <laughs> who didn't go to the city? Yeah, I know. Uh, so Brian, um, how'd you like it? Oh, it was, it was amazing, man. It, it, you know, lived up to the, to the, the promises of the, of the series. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I just, uh, I love this movie so much and watching it really just, it, it brought me back to those, 
you know, the Saturday afternoons at my grandpa's place. Yeah. You know, it was a nice little nostalgic rush there for me. So, well, it's funny because it's, um, you were in New York and it, Dave in the city. Yeah. 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 So it kind of makes sense why he had that one, maybe instead of the first one. I don't think there was really any um, intention behind it. Although, you know, Ghostbusters 2, also uh, also in New York. Right. My grandfather only really uh, bought movies that were New York-based. Oh, I just assumed he only bought movies that were in the G2 section. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the Sound of Music was a gift. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, my God. What was up with that? That's, that's weird. I'm going to have to figure that out but yeah gremlins 2 god i love that movie so but uh i'm glad you liked it um let's talk about it a little bit shall we let's do so the first thing i want to say about gremlins 2 is that it is the inspiration for what is probably the greatest key and peel sketch ever made I mean, you can say that about so many Key and Peele sketches, but it is a very, very good Key and Peele sketch. Now, uh, I'm not going to actually play it here on the podcast because, one, it's a sketch and it's visual, so, you know, I can't play it over an audio podcast, but I am going to play it for you here, Brian, just so that you can see it, and I encourage everyone who's listening here to watch it. I'll include a link to it in the um, show notes for this pod so that you can check it out. It's incredibly funny and it uh, gets a little bit into uh, some of what we're going to talk about here which is just how uh, strange and weird and off the wall it is especially compared to Gremlins 1 but so we're going to take a moment here to watch this sketch real quick and then come back and keep talking and I suggest that everybody listening do the same so hang on one brief sec and We'll be back. And now it's done. Oh my god, what I love about that sketch is how ridiculously specific it is. <laughs> so specific, yeah. And it hits, I mean, it, it really describes how ridiculous they are when you just say them all like that, you know? But yeah, that's yeah. an amazing sketch. And it gets to exactly what we're going to talk about now which is just how insane this sequel is compared to the first one i mean was it what you were expecting it's everything that i was hoping for i mean it's yes it's like the you know the part that i that i loved the most as i described about the first one is the bar scene yep because of all the the tiny clothes you know like just kind of putting the putting the gremlins into these slices of life a little bit like and there were a lot of specific distinct personality imbued gremlins in that scene exactly like they have jobs you know they have specific kind of like hobbies it seems and this was just kind of like taking that idea to an extreme level oh times a million yeah exactly so yeah there's just so many fucking gremlins and gremlins too so many yeah all right so just a tiny bit of background about gremlins 2 and how it came to be so gremlins both one and two were direct those films were directed by joe dante is the director and uh 
he after he made gremlins one he did not want to make gremlins two number one he thought gremlins one was good as it was and you know it came to a fitting conclusion so it didn't need a sequel so fair enough there two um making gremlins one was really hard uh all of the like animatronics and I can imagine yeah, yeah like s- special effects but like you know like the practical effects all of that was really hard and difficult to work with it seems extremely messy too oh yeah that but also like shit was like breaking and right, like they just okay. they, they just had a lot it was it was a real struggle to make so he just didn't want to deal with that again and so he just didn't want to make another one so he was like that's it i'm done i'm not making another one and so the studio though uh, Gremlins one was really successful, so they're like, "Well, forget about you. Then we're making another one. Like we want, we want that money." Mm-hmm. So they're like, "We're gonna make another one without you." And so they keep trying to make another one, and they keep failing. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, because uh, believe it or not, um, Joe Dante maybe was kind of part of the reason why he's the linchpin of the whole Gremlins <laughs> franchise. Well, I mean, the studio just on its own apparently just wasn't finding any success. And I was looking, uh, apparently, some of the ideas they were coming up with they sounded pretty shitty too. Uh, it looked like some storylines they were coming up with included sending the Gremlins to Las Vegas. Or sending them to Mars. Mars is pretty off the wall. Vegas, though, I could see them wrecking up a casino. I'm getting shades of Leprechaun and Leprechaun 3 here. Like, I don't know. I mean, I I understand what you're saying. But there's a lot to work with there. But Mars is kind of random. They need the the people factor. in space. (laughs) Uh, Well, anyway... um, Long story short, eventually they come begging back to Joe Dante and they're like, please, you make it. And he he was like, okay, I will make it, but only if I get carte blanche to do whatever I want. Mm. Full creative control, which is not common. That's pretty rare. Yeah. But they said, okay, you can do whatever you want. And I think that shows Wow. in the movie. I mean, you saw how off the wall this movie is certainly yeah wow so that's why this is such a zany meta anarchic film mm-hmm. it's because joe dante was allowed to do whatever the hell he wanted because the film is basically it, it's not just a sequel it is a a send-up of sequels and mm-hmm. it is a parody it's basically a sequel that makes fun of its original movie yeah i mean not not just figuratively but literally as part of the movie makes fun of itself and its predecessor yeah yeah there are scenes where you have like the leonard malton scene where he's uh, they're they're making fun of panning the the original one which he did um you know they're making fun of his pan of the original movie and also, they're making fun of, like, the rules from the original movie, how they don't make sense if you actually try and think about them a little bit, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Like, you would never get that now, really. hmm You know? Um, so, yeah, it was pretty but cool. But that's, that's kind of the one of the great elements of this, I think, is that it doesn't take itself too seriously. No, that is exactly what makes this so great. Yeah. Is that... It's well, fun. Well, it's but really it, fun. You, you know, the thing is, though, it... It, 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 it 
it doesn't and it does because it's hilarious because it doesn't take itself too seriously and it make it's it's funny and it's a comedy and it makes fun of itself in the first one but there are also like kind of scary serious parts oh yeah, I mean, they're, they're like, you know, the spider gremlin. Sure. And like, you know, they're torturing Gizmo. Like, they're legit, like, serious gremlin mayhem parts in this. You're right. I mean, yeah, there are, for sure. I think it, I think it walks that line pretty perfectly. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I mean, it's, it's never It's not so as brutal scary. as the first one. Sure, sure. It's never so scary that it's like a scary movie. You right, know, but it does have some definitely like creative, creepy, you know, elements to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, it, it definitely isn't on the level of the first one. Sure, but um, yeah, uh, I think that's great. And also, I learned uh, when I was looking things up for um, this movie, I watched uh, Red Letter Media's video on this movie, their review uh, video, which I highly recommend. You should check out. Um, and they talked about just a cool thing about ha- some of the kind of background on like making of stuff on how the actual gremlins were operated Mm -hmm. when they were on people, which I thought was cool, which is whenever a gremlin is on a person attacking them, it's that they put a fake arm and a fake hand on the actor. And then the actor's real hand is in the gremlin and the gremlin is being puppeteered by the actor, Mm -hmm. which I thought was pretty cool thing to learn. So like a Muppet. Right, exactly like a Muppet, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so that's the background. That's the director's Joe Dante. And then, uh, so we get the cast. You're right about the cast coming back. It's not all of the townspeople, and we don't go back to the whole town, and we don't get uh, Billy's inventor dad again. No, he's only alluded to. Yeah, but we do, uh, as we'll talk about, find a way to get kind of zany, not inventions, but uh technological things into the film yeah. um but so for the cast we have zach galligan comes back as billy peltzer phoebe cates as kate john glover plays daniel clamp who um is kind of obviously a stand-in for donald trump yeah i can like barely even say the <laughs> name oh, also yeah. kind of um ted turner a little bit hmm all right. Um, just in uh, Ted Turner, you know, the uh, in his role as TV mogul was kind of obsessed with colorizing things. Oh, I didn't know that. And he was also, I don't think it was ever confirmed, but it was rumored that he had that um, video prepared for in the event of the end of the world. Ted Turner did? Supposedly. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> You're this. watching this. The apocalypse has happened. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah, it's I'm... like the goodbye world video. Yeah. Robert Prosky played Grandpa Fred, uh, the like Grandpa Munster guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, the vampire guy. Robert Picardo played Forster, the chief of security. Okay. So I asked if you recognized him. Yeah. Did you recognize him I, from anywhere? I, I did not. So you're not a Star Trek fan? Well, I watched um, The Next Generation. Which, if you're only going to watch one Star Trek, is the one that you should be watching. Okay. Um, he was on Voyager. And I mean, I mean, and lots of other stuff, too. But um, he was on that. Christopher Lee played 
Dr. Catheter. No. Yeah. Do, do they say his name? They do. Oh my god, I missed that one. Dr. Catheter. That's funny. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of other people we can mention. Dick Miller comes back as uh, Mr. Futterman. You were correct that Howie Mandel <laughs> is the voice of Gizmo again. <laughs> Tony Randall is the brainy gremlin. That's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. I didn't catch that until the credits. He does a great uh, oh, so good. Boston Brahmin accent. I wanna talk to you a little bit about what's going on in this room. <laughs> And then there are a few cameos that we'll mention as they come up. But uh, let's talk about the actual movie and all the cool stuff that happens in it. Let's. Oh, my God. So as the movie begins, you find out right away that this is not going to be the same kind of film because you get this Looney Tunes intro. And I don't just mean that as in... A descriptor it's literally looney tunes right yeah that was that was super weird yeah i wrote down what you said uh when that started which is uh what the fuck is this indeed but it you know i think it's cool because it kind of it's your first indication kind of telling you what to expect from this movie <laughs> right it's like, gonna it's, be looney tunes it's gonna be a little bonkers it's literally like the it, it is a looney tunes movie that you're gonna be watching yeah and so we return to Chinatown, where Gizmo is back with Mr. Wing in his store. Mm-hmm. And, and that actually reminded me of uh, my idea for the plot to Gremlins 3, which I wanted to pitch to you. Okay. Just real quick. So, Gremlins 3, right? The way it should start is that Gremlins 3 should take place in China. I, I was just thinking that. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Um, it should take place either in Beijing or Shanghai or in other some other very large Chinese city. And it should be a Disney store where a young Chinese boy comes in and it's like maybe a little bit in the future and it is an old rundown Disney store <laughs> run by a decrepit, aged white guy. <laughs> Okay. who has all of these you know like old like the store is going out of business it's about to be torn down to be replaced by some like hip hot new like chinese uh clothing store mm-hmm. you know this is something really much more fashionable because you know disney is like you know about to be gone or whatever because it's you know the future america's you know tanking <laughs> and um so uh, the young Chinese boy comes in and uh, sees all of these old kind of crappy gizmo merch. Mm. But the old white guy happens to have in the back of the store a real gizmo. Well, it should be it should be the guy. The sorry, I forget the name of the main character. Billy? Billy in the future. Oh, it's Billy. Old decrepit Billy. I like it. <laughs> And he's he's had Gizmo all these years. And he's been just keeping him in the back of the Disney store? I mean, his journey has taken him, you know, all over the world, you know, where we're led to believe there's been some some hijinks. They've fallen on hard times and they end up at the end of their at the end of their road mm. here in Beijing. Yeah. And, you know, maybe like, you know, Gremlins exists and, you know, the kid has seen the movie Gremlins and he's like, I thought that those were just movies. And, you know, old Billy is kind of like, oh, that's just, you know, 
they just wanted you to think they were just movies, but it's all true, all of it. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, yeah. So that's my pitch. Think of think of the hijinks they could have in China. Well, I mean, there's so much. You know, it's it's all so much new build. It's all modern. There's so much stuff for the gremlins to wreck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so many people, huge city. If the, if this was bigger for New York, imagine how big it's going to be for Beijing. Oh my God, they could get up to so much, so much mayhem. But anyway, so yeah, Gremlins Three, Gremlins International. <laughs> all right. And so uh, some guys arrive, including uh, Mr. Forster, who want to buy the place on behalf of Daniel Clamp, New York real estate guy. Um, You did not immediately cotton to the fact that he was a Donald Trump stand-in? I didn't. It wasn't until we were at Clamp Tower, and I was like, oh, I see. I see what's going on. Yeah. Because I missed his first name the first time. Oh, you're right. Right. Yeah. Um, well, because also he, I mean, he doesn't like look or act very much like Trump. Right. He's much more affable. Certainly. Yeah. You kind of like Daniel Clamp. Yeah, a little bit. He's certainly more, as far as billionaire real estate moguls go, he's, he's superficially much more likable. Yes. Yeah. One thing I do like about uh, the clamp business, though, is the way the logo, the C of the clamp squishes the earth. I like that, too. It's yeah. clamping we it. A, we got a grip on you. It's it's clamping it. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, the only thing standing in the way of him building a brand new uh, Chinatown shopping center is Mr. Wing's shop. He wants to buy him out so that he can build the Chinatown center. Where business gets oriented. Oh, God. That was a groaner. <laughs> I like that one. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, but Mr. Wing doesn't want to sell. But you know what? Mr. Forster's fine with it because he heard Mr. Wing's cough and realizes that he's going to die soon so they can just wait him out, which is exactly what happens. It, is that what happened? That was not perfectly clear to me. Yeah, Mr. Wing just dies. Okay. And then they take, take they, over the place. Yeah, it's kind of like cut to them. Well, it also says like what, like six weeks later or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And we see this shot of Gizmo sitting there all sad because he's all alone now. Mm -hmm. What I realized in that moment, too, is that um, design wise, Baby Yoda, who's, you know, Mandalorian season two is, you know, the hottest thing right now and came out a couple months ago. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because this is Christmas. Um, Baby Yoda's design owes so much to Gizmo. It's basically the same frame, head, ears. Well, it's it's the head shape, the big ears, the big eyes. Um, but I mean, you know, you could say that some of that comes from the original Yoda, but there's more than that, too. It's sort of like there's that, there's the um, body proportions and size, the sounds that are made, the way that the to move is incredibly similar Hmm. and then you see it too when like the way billy holds gizmo and treats him throughout that kind of like um protector and caretaker relationship is sort of like a mandalorian baby yoda like you know when he's cradling him it like anyone who is watching uh gremlins 2 nowadays keep baby yoda in mind (laughs) 
whenever you are watching Gizmo and it is like exactly whoever designed Baby Yoda is taking their lessons from this movie because wow. it is it is so drawn from this. We need a side by side. Yeah, someone's got to do that because I was convinced that the inspiration came so much from Hmm. specifically Gremlins 2 Gizmo. Not not Gremlins 1. No, no, not at all from Gremlins 1. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, Gremlins 1 they threw in the garbage. (laughs) Just Gremlins 2. The building, uh, Mr. Wing's building gets bulldozed and Gizmo is out on the streets in New York and he gets captured and taken somewhere. And then we uh, meet back up with Billy, Billy and Kate, who are living also in the big city. Yeah, just getting out there and getting it. Yeah. Um, And they both happen to be working at Clamp Tower. And here's where you get your wacky inventions, Brian. (laughs) Yeah, they come in in building form. Yeah, it's not a perfect one for one, but it, it is the sort of route for you to get all of these weird it's a smart building. Yep. Yeah. So uh, the way Kate Kate is a um, tour guide at the building, and she describes it as being the most advanced smart building in the world with the latest in security, communications, and climate control. Mm-hmm. And the instant you hear that, you're just like, oh, my God, so much shit for the gremlins to fuck up. Absolutely. Yeah. And from from moment one that you're in the building, things are going wrong. I mean, that the revolving doors get stuck, the voice controlled elevators. Um, I'm not sure if anything goes wrong with them, but it just seems like something's going to go wrong. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the thing, though, is that things are already kind of fucked up with the building already. Right. Yeah. So they don't even need the gremlins, really. <laughs> yeah. This building is just so ridiculous. But um, what it does allow is for all of these like tiny little gags scattered throughout that you like miss so many little gags if you are laughing. Yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah, there's all these. I mean, they're they're kind of throwaways. You know, they're not central to the plot necessarily. <laughs> right. But they're they they do make the movie so much more enjoyable. Well, and it makes it stand up so well on a rewatch. Right. Yeah. Like like. Whether they're lines or you know specific sight or gags, visual or gags, yeah, 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 yeah. It has a lot of a lot of them just kind of sprinkled in there. It's it's very good. Yeah, so, so you know you get so like I love the announcer, you know the things that he'll say like when you're going to the bathroom. It's like, hey man, welcome to the men's room. <laughs> and then on your way out, he's like, hey buddy, I hope you washed those hands. <laughs> yeah. Just like. You know, or you could just miss, you know, if, if you're busy, like laughing or pointing something out, you'll miss that they're on their way into the archery channel and the <laughs> right. guy comes out in like a Robin Hood outfit. Well, yeah, it's there's like a there's like a wah, wah, buzzer and he storms off the set and throws his broken arrow. Or he ground. like breaks it over his <laughs> yeah. knee or something like that. He failed, failed the archery challenge. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they have this all these different cable networks that are so incredibly niche. Right. Oh, it's it's amazing. And so anyway, so we meet we start meeting our cast. So, you know, we have the returning stars, of course, like Billy and everything. But we meet a few new people like Marla, Billy's supervisor. Did you catch the significance of her being named Marla? Oh, no, I didn't. Donald Trump's second wife, Marla Maples. 
And we meet Grandpa Fred, the kind of uh, Grandpa Munster style uh, late night uh, horror movie host who had his squashed ambitions of being a TV anchor. Poor bastard. Yep, he's he's on at 3.30 in the morning <laughs> showing, uh, I don't know, D. Attack of the Octopus people. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I always wanted to look up, was that a real one? Is that a real movie? Hold on, I'm going to Google it. Attack of the... See, when I first watched this, when I was, I was always curious about that, but when I was a kid, they didn't have... The internet? Well, they didn't have Google, certainly. Um... <laughs> it's got an IMDb page, but it says it's from 2010. Hmm. Somebody made it <laughs> in honor of this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Um. But and and so this is where we get that kind of like Ted Turner thing, which is that like he can't show any of the classics because they're in black and white, and Daniel Clamp only likes things in color. Mm-hmm. But another throwaway gag is that they're playing Casablanca now fully in color and with a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, so crappy. Mm. But so we wind up visiting a key location, slice of life designer jeans. Yes, the DNA manipulation laboratory, a genetics lab, yeah. which is run by Christopher Lee, Dr. Catheter. <laughs> no relation. Oh my. <laughs> and so uh in this in this uh genetics lab we have Gizmo being held prisoner, and they're gonna they're gonna cut him open, just figure out what makes him tick. Yep. But uh, fortunately, Billy hears the Gizmo song being sung by the delivery guy who had visited earlier, and he goes and he saves Gizmo. Um, but uh, before Billy can take Gizmo home and to safety, a uh, clamp comes to visit his office, which is in the art department, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Um, and Clamp likes Billy's drawing, which is a mock-up of the new Chinatown Center where business gets oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he likes it. And so because Billy has been complimented by Daniel Clamp himself, Marla, who had previously been riding him, she suddenly sees an opportunity in Billy. And so she starts really... Um, aggressively pursuing him shall we say she she basically doesn't take no for an answer she she asks him out to dinner immediately it was yeah. like right now let's leave the, the office and go yeah and where does she ask him out to go eat the the hot new canadian restaurant yeah which actually um it's funny to make fun of but that was a real thing we've we've been to bugaboo creek bugaboo creek steakhouse i used to go there with my parents on my birthday <laughs> When I was a kid, they had... Did they offer chocolate mousse? (laughs) Well, they certainly had a talking... I'm sorry, singing moose head on the wall. Lots of stuffed goats. Um, I bought many a stuffed owl from the gift shop. It was a great place. Yeah, it's a shame they uh, they they wound up going out of business. I don't know what Canadian restaurant. (laughs) Maybe they would have been more successful if they actually had people dressed up as Royal Canadian Mounties. Yeah, they were just kind of a wilderness-themed restaurant, but it wasn't specifically Canadian. Oh, see, that's their problem. Yeah. They should have gone whole hog on it. International flair. Right. 
Um, but so because Billy is off getting hit on by Marla and again, hit on so hard, she even does that, um, foot in the crotch thing. Yeah. Has anyone ever done that with you? No. It's so aggressive. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. So, uh, because Billy is off dealing with this, uh, Kate has to take Gizmo home. But before she can do that, Gizmo, of course, gets up to some ridiculous hijinks. Again, the exact kind of thing that baby Yoda gets up to. Mm. Just getting out, getting up to some things that he shouldn't get up to. Yep. Hijinks, yeah. Stay in the drawer. Stay in the drawer, right. But baby Yoda never stays where he's supposed to. Mm. He's always getting into danger. See, it's, oh, it's exactly right. But mm. anyway, so Gizmo gets wet and we get four new Mogwai. And they come out, and just like last time, they come out evil. And it's like... They come out hating Gizmo. Yeah, they're always born... They know his name. With they're a... like, fuck this guy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? They're his offspring. Exactly. How are they born with such a raging hatred for... Their creator, basically. Their their father. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. Gizmo! They are born... With not only evil, but with a specific seething hatred for Gizmo. It doesn't make any sense. So they basically start bullying him immediately. Oh, they um they throw him into the vents. And but also, um, compared to the first one, you know, in the first one, the Mogwai, except for um Stripe, they were a little generic. Mm-hmm. These new ones have a lot more personality yeah. immediately. You've got uh, Mohawk, mm-hmm. who's a little bit of a stripe redux. Totally. But At least when in his in his furry form. Yeah. But uh, in his gremlin form, the Mohawk turns into that uh, spiked mm-hmm. version. And I always remember when they're in, when I was growing up, uh, when he's coming out of his cocoon, the way the um, spikes come ripping out of his cocoon when he yeah. turns into the gremlin was made such a strong impression on me they sure. make that like slicing metal sound <laughs> yeah exactly i was always like oh geez that's not good it's <laughs> <laughs> not good that, that doesn't seem good at all um there's uh daffy who's the Puck googly guy no daffy is the googly-eyed crazy one who looks oh. stupid as fuck mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay bucktooth guy is named lenny <laughs> Because uh, of mice and men, yeah, of mice and men. <laughs> no. uh, okay, he, he reminded me of of Goofy because he kind of he kind of makes like yuck yuck sounds. Yeah, and I, I would say that that was right, except for the fact that this is such a Warner Brothers thing, and Goofy is Disney. Hey, man, Mandalorian is Disney. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> They're just ripping each other off. So much cross pollination. Baby, Baby Yoda was a payback for them ripping off Goofy. It all comes back to Gremlins too. <laughs> it's all circling back. We're finding the connections. Oh my god! Um, and then the last one is George, who's kind of an Edward G. Robinson. What? You're like, yeah, see. Well, he's not talking at this point, right? He just kind of looks like a raccoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of. But he's got that uh, that attitude and face. Okay, you know. Uh, so yeah, and so. They they beat up Gizmo a little bit and push him into the vent and take off and uh, they go down to the food court while Kate uh, incorrectly brings home Daffy thinking that he's Gizmo. Meanwhile, I I also uh, during the Bugaboo Creek scene where uh, Marla is hitting on 
Billy, they're talking about their childhood and she's like, did you always know she has such a thick New York accent? I'm not even going to do it. <laughs> she was like, did you always know that you wanted to be an artist? And he's like, yeah, even when I was a kid, I used to play with crayons and draw. Yep. And she says, oh, me too. I used to play with crayons as a kid too. I used to take them and write memos to all the other children. Yeah. Even back then. I knew <laughs> she knew that her destiny was to grow up to be middle management memos, right? She took crayons to write memos to all the little children. This is exactly what I'm saying. We're like, just this tossed off line. Exactly. is so hilarious. Also notable in the restaurant. She is drinking a glass of red wine and a can of Jolt Cola. Yeah. As you do in 1990, apparently. Yeah. You've never had a, uh, a cab jolt. <laughs> A jolt spritzer. <laughs> I was trying to think. I was trying to come up with like what you would call that drink. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Billy gets home, and I just wanted to call out when he's like pulling up to his apartment. It's still nineteen. It's nineteen ninety, and so you still get that portrayal that New York City trash ridden, an absolute shithole, <laughs> just trash blowing in the breeze. And there's there's a full on golden retriever out eating out of the trash and it's like if you're gonna have a stray dog it should be like a scraggly mutt this looked like a a it was a full-grown full-grown golden retriever retriever. it looked like it had just run out from the american kennel club (laughs) like it should have had a blue ribbon on it i was like what the hell that's 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 bad uh on the animal wrangling department they should have gotten a scraggly dog. Someone should have gotten fired that day. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Billy sees this other whack mogwai, and he's like, oh, shit. This, all right, number one, this is not Gizmo, and this is a problem. So they um, head back to the building, and Billy immediately gets arrested for trying to turn off all the water in the building because, of course, he did. That is an insane thing to try and do without talking to anybody. Yep. Uh, what did you think was going to happen? He breaks. He breaks into the water main with with a fire axe on and camera. Just starts like whacking away at it. It's like what what was your plan after that? <laughs> he hadn't collected the other mogwai That's yet. A good step one, I guess. But it's just, or whatever. Um, meanwhile, while he spends the night in jail, uh, the other mogwai eat after midnight by attacking the food court uh, which was an opportunity to make fun of a few of the uh food trends at the time in the early 90s such as fat-free frozen yogurt froyo and health health food nuts yeah oh yeah but there's a great line where um someone sees the mogwai there and she goes it's a rat what did she say did she say there's a rat no she said there isn't a rat <laughs> That is not what I said. <laughs> you know how you're always yelling, there's not a rat. Right. It's like a good cover, buddy. <laughs> no, she said there's not a rat. Yeah, that's good. Good, good. Yeah, that, well done, buddy. Um, so Kate bails Billy out of jail in the morning and um, the mimes. For no reason, as they're getting bailed out, as Billy's getting bailed out, a paddy wagon is unloading a full truckload of mimes who are under arrest for some reason and they mime their way out of the 
<laughs> this is one of those things. This is how brilliant this movie is because, like, this scene could have just been Billy gets bailed out of jail. But instead, Billy gets bailed out of jail, and in the background is a paddy wagon. In the foreground, Dave. <laughs> yeah, in the foreground. <laughs> There is a paddy wagon full of mimes coming out, like miming their way out, like like pretending they're escaping from a box, <laughs> like for like it's brilliant and it's it's totally uncommented upon. It's it's just and there's uh, no good reason for it, but it but it there's makes every it, reason but it for makes it. it better. Yeah, a scene that like could have just been a nothing scene that you had to have just to show that he's getting out of jail. They managed to slip in this hilarious sight gag just mm-hmm. to like let's take this nothing scene and make it fun like exactly. this it it is the perfect encapsulation of why this movie it's just so dense every frame is full of so much chokage <laughs> but so anyway so uh the new uh so the mogwai have turned into gremlins at this point the new gremlins have been born they've gotten their hands on gizmo and they have begun to torture the shit out of him which they're going to be doing for like the next 40 minutes of the movie. Yeah, they they hate him. Yeah. This and it's some pretty dark shit. They actually like they use like electricity on him at one point. That's yeah. kind of heavy. It's quite bad torture. It's real torture. Yeah, no. It's that's that's some ugly ugly shit. Poor poor Gizmo. But so Billy goes to the security guy, Mr. Forrester, and starts trying to reason with him about what's going on. And of course, he sounds like a fucking madman because he runs in and starts. He he could have done this better. I mean, there's no way to dance around the fact that there's monsters loose in your building. He kind of. But he could have eased into it like he runs in and he's like, Mr. Forrester, uh, you know, 80s evil security guy let me just run in here and be like sir you gotta get everybody out of the building there's these little monsters that if you if they eat after midnight they turn into different kind of monsters and then they they start destroying stuff and they're intelligent but like you know you they can't be in the sun because it burns them and he sounds nuts yeah like he could have worked it a little bit better and so you know rightly i think the other people in the security room start kind of like making fun of him. And this is where it starts getting really meta because they're making fun of the rules. Right. As we all should and do. I think in the first Gremlins episode, I actually alluded to this specific scene where like you were poking holes in the rules. And I may have like quoted the scene where I was like, oh, yeah, like what if someone got like a seed stuck in their tooth? Right. And then swallowed it or like crossed a time zone. Or like, is it midnight UTC? Is it local time zone? What about on daylight savings? When does it reset? Right. That's never made clear. It's technically always after midnight. I know. <laughs> so, yeah. And the, uh, another thing that I think is hilarious about this scene is that, so uh, this is actually a good point to point out how it walks the line between funny and serious because you get the funny making fun of the first movie part where they're teasing the rules but then the gremlin comes bursting out of the control panel shit gets real real fast yeah shit gets real really fast and he like he like hits that guy and it's like a pretty badass punch in the face and he scratches that woman and like you know he wrecks stuff and uh but there's this funny moment where forster is seeing all this stuff and he says to billy he goes Peltzer, is this one of those things? 
And it's like, what the fuck do you think? Do- no, like- sir, this is an unrelated monster. Yeah, this is a completely different sort of random horrific alien type creature. I have no idea what this is. Yeah, and he's still like buttoned up. Pelter! <laughs> it's it, no, no, yeah, like no, no, this this is something something else. I, I I can't help you with this. We still have to deal with my thing though. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Um. So, yeah, so Billy helps them with that, and so finally we might be starting to take things seriously. But Kate, meanwhile, is still taking a tour around, and this is where we meet Mr. Katsugi. Yes. Not the most PC portrayal of an Asian person on film, and uh, I don't think you would get that in a movie nowadays. The stereotypical picture snapping Japanese tourist. Yeah. He's played by uh, Getty Watanabe. He was very recognizable, but what is he from? He was Long Duck Dong. Excuse me? From uh, 16 Candles. Oh, never seen it. Yeah, well, that also not a super um, sensitive or nuanced portrayal of an Asian person in an American film of this time. I feel like... It was the 80s. Right. 80s and early 90s, I feel like, actually, in particular, was a bad time period for portrayals of Asian people. Yeah. You got your short round. Right. Yeah. And I feel like, oh, uh, the kid from Goonies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what was I going mean, on back no then. they make no qualms about the whole, like, Orient thing, you know, and kind of... But that was a joke. Yeah. The business gets oriented. But so, that's I, a joke. I think you I think oriental is as of, offensive. It's not a term in good standing anymore. Right. But but this portrayal is not great. So it's one of the things about the movie that doesn't age super well. Right. So just to call that out. Nonetheless, uh we do here get to see the archery channel and we get to see the show uh Microwave with Marge. Oh my god. So this is a show where a woman who I guess is supposed to be sort of um, old. I was going to say a drunk. Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to be sort of. She's like getting drunk during the show. <laughs> Using the sherry. Some people use a dash. I use a lot. I use a lot. <laughs> she pours one for herself. And the food that she's making is so disgusting. Yeah. it's. A, I mean- the whole premise is absurd, but yeah, it's, is absurd. it's it, it's cooking specifically with a microwave. Yeah. And it's also like, she was it like the bologna bean? Bologna and bean roll-ups. Roll-up. Yeah. And then I just love the way she says, our tuna noodle dish casserole. You know, was, like. Yeah, it was like tuna and, and fake cheese, like cheese spread like not cheese tuna noodle cheese product, cheese product with ca- yes she says yeah. cheese product I yeah. Think. yeah yeah but the uh, the gremlins attack here and um they realize that they can blow something up using the microwave this is this is the funny thing about gremlins is that they they don't appear to speak english or use language until somehow they just know the word for whatever specific thing they're dealing with in that moment they speak english when it's convenient but only like the thing that's in front of them like yeah anyway 
microwave microwave uh they throw all sorts of metal shit in the microwave and blow it up and so here come the sprinklers Mm. and it's just like the pool in gremlins one Mm -hmm. where uh they start multiplying again except this time we actually get to see it and we get those huge boils on their back where the new gremlins are coming out the it looks amazing it's awesome yeah yeah, it's it's a really good effect. You can basically see the gremlins growing inside of the inside of the boils. Like the the special effects are really really cool. Yeah, um, I believe how they did that is that um, it's a full sized gremlin animatronic, and uh, the back is really big. Okay. So they used big back, regular sized gremlin forced perspective to, and then they like inflate the the pocket or something like that yeah so um and then back in the control room it's kind of like this jurassic park moment where the the pest infestation monitor is reading critical (laughs) you think yeah but well first of all they have see them you can see them multiplying on the the screen it's it's a a good visual Yeah, yeah yeah the pest infestation monitor thank you smart building i know the one time it actually does a good job at something uh so we cut back to Daniel Clamp, who's bored in his office. You had a good observation here. Yeah. He, he's, he's bored in his office. He's looking out of his telescope. And as he walks away from the window, you can see that his office is above the clouds. Yeah. He's so high up in his corner office. I've watched this movie so many times, and I had never noticed that little detail. That's great. Um, you also saw right away that uh, his tie was going to go into the shredder. Oh, yeah. I mean, they foreshadowed it. They had his secretary shredding the papers on the outside and made kind of a fuss of of this shredder on her desk where the action is about to go down. I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's happening. That gun's getting brought out. But uh, it's not just his tie, though. He fights a gremlin and uh, puts the gremlin through the shredder in one of the grossest moments in this entire movie. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome, though. Apparently, gremlins are made of wet silly putty. Yeah. (laughs) They are when you put them through a shredder. Um, Then we finally start getting into the really meta moments of this film, such as uh, one of our first great cameos, which is Leonard Maltin, Mm -hmm. who appears. uh, So Leonard Maltin gave a bad review for Gremlins 1. And uh, apparently, and I listened to, he told the story about this on an episode of Doug Loves Movies. Okay. He was actually friends with Joe Dante. Oh. And so it was uncomfortable to him to have to give a bad review of the movie because he felt, you know, he was friends with the guy and didn't want to have to do that, but he had to do it because he just didn't like it and was being honest. So he gave a bad review and then they invited him to come back and be in this second one. They're like, and the gremlins are going to attack. So what happens in the scene is that Leonard Maltin is giving his bad review to the uh, VHS tape of Gremlins 1, which has come out, and the gremlins come and attack him. And it's like, he's like, no, no, I take it back. It's a 10. Please don't remember. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious. Um, but he says in the scene when he's being directed in it, uh, he's sitting there with Joe Dante, and he's like, what should I do? And Joe Dante said, just use your own words. <laughs> nice yeah it's funny did, um, uh, did you uh, do you remember the name of the show the review show i think that was another gag oh no i don't remember it was like the movie dump or something <laughs> the movie dump 
Um, but then we go back to the genetics lab, and this is where it really pays off because the gremlins get into all the different genetic change em ups by drinking all of these different vials, right? Mm-hmm. So we get the vegetable gremlin. Got to suspend your scientific disbelief pretty hard here. Oh, is this the point in the movie where you have to suspend some disbelief? This scene right here? Yeah. When the the gremlin creatures drink the vials in this scene. Um, You can't just, like, make genetic changes within one generation in a single organism. Yeah. to, like, get incorporated into the progeny. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, no, no. Fuck that. I am out, okay? (laughs) Genetic mutation takes way longer than that. Uh, furthermore, you cannot merely fly through a building with that shape and create the perfect Batman logo. I saw what that bat creature looked like. It was nothing like the Batman logo. This is fucking bullshit. I'm out of here. Okay, yeah, fair point. Um, so we get the veggie gremlin. Who <laughs> really? There's no point. That that one is the most ridiculous, actually, because there's nothing about him except he looks like vegetables. Like. Uh, his skin basically turns into a farmer's market. Yeah. Um, the coolest one is the brainy gremlin yeah. who gets smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get the bat gremlin who also gets the gen- oh, genetic sunblock yes. uh, who can fly outside. The electricity gremlin. We get the female gremlin. Which this made me realize that all other gremlins are male. I well, hadn't really thought about that before. See, that's the thing. Is that sort of, but in the in Gremlins One, there's uh, uh, we talked about it in the bar scene. There's a gangster with the gangster's mall, the gangster girlfriend. Mm. So there have been kind of female presenting Gremlins, or they could just be male Gremlins playing dress up. But mm-hmm. um, in this film, they certainly all seem to be male. They didn't have boobs before certainly not yeah so yeah um and then mohawk makes off with the spider gremlin formula mm-hmm. and he's actually scary when he gets that the spider gremlin i maintain is actually scary mm-hmm. so then we get talking about uh gremlins who can actually speak english we get the scene of them in the stock stock market room buy sell <laughs> buy sell <laughs> I think the the smart gremlin is on the phone with a client recommending that they saying, Oh yes, oh, I'm recommending to all of my all of my clients to invest in canned food and shotguns. Makes sense to me. <laughs> Kate has the good idea of pulling the fire alarm. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what the fire alarm has to say? <laughs> I I okay, let's see. It was like fire man's foe and man's best friend or something like that (laughs) it was like keeper of warmth destroyer of forests this building is now on fire yeah get to the point already it's yeah it's not a very effective fire alarm (laughs) um so the bat gremlins out and out of the entire city he manages to find the futtermans from who are visiting from the town. Yeah. If you remember, uh, Mr. Futterman was scarred a little bit in the first movie when the gremlins put a uh, snowplow through his living room. He's finally getting over it until a bat gremlin attacks him in the middle of New York City. Right. It goes right for him. Yeah. 
And so he manages to defeat it by soaking it in concrete so it freezes in place as a gargoyle, which is fucking brilliant. Yeah, that was a clever moment. But then here we get the most meta moment of all, which is that the gremlins get into the projector room of the movie and the film breaks. This was complete insanity. I, I, I totally lost it here. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. I mean, did you think it was an actual error in the movie? Uh, no, I mean it. It kind of had that effect of the um, the film reel melting, you know, that you've seen before, where uh, you kind of the the circles kind of spread out, and you know, you get the kind of like reel clicking sound. Because so, I mean, we were watching it on streaming, so theoretically, yeah, that I'm pretty sure that wasn't happening in real life. But it was really weird. I thought I thought it was maybe going to end like that. I was like, this this is a this is a very strange turn. And then they're like in the in the movie theater, a woman comes out and is complaining because they put on like some porno, I guess, in, in the theater instead. An old timey porno at right. that. And she's complaining that, you know, her son is being exposed to this. And it's it was a very bizarre turn. Did you like it? Yeah, totally. It I was... mean, it's incredibly meta. Yeah, very much so. Especially when they solve it. How do they solve it? Well, as one would, you go into the theater, which Hulk Hogan is in, and you ask him to yell at the gremlins until they put the film back on. That's correct. Um, which, you know, even the gremlins aren't going to mess with Hulk Hogan. I will say that on my VHS tape of Gremlins 2, that scene is actually different. Whoa. Yeah. The VHS breaks and it goes to static, and they start splicing in different movies. What? Yeah, because you're not in the theater. Oh, this was the theatrical version. Right. Crazy. And they don't get Hulk Hogan to help. They get John Wayne to help. (laughs) And he, like, shoots a bunch of the gremlins and then tells the gremlins to put it back to the way things were wow said, yeah there's different versions of that scene that's pretty cool yeah. yeah yeah they should they should kind of update it though like you have your vhs version you have your film version that should they should have a streaming version where it like goes back to your your netflix menu or something they would have to go and get joe dante and like reshoot <laughs> like get all the gremlin stuff together again or i guess they wouldn't even need the gremlin props would they maybe no just no i don't think they're they're seen in shadow but they're not really i guess yeah, you'd have you have to animate do it. that yeah yeah well good idea yeah that's maybe, a good point. maybe for three we'll put it in three you only really need like 90 seconds yeah yeah that's a good idea um well so anyway so yeah that's that's basically one of the most amazing things in this film is that they fucking do that Mm -hmm. you know it's incredible oh i read the novelization of gremlins 2 (laughs) go on and in the novelization of gremlins 2 how they handle this part is that the brainy gremlin broke into the house of the guy writing the novelization whoa knocked him out and took over writing it for a while. Wow. Yes. 
see this is what i'm saying they got the book covered they got the vhs covered we need a modern version yeah <laughs> wow that's cool and he even commented in the writing on it he's like yes i know in the movie version this happens differently <laughs> but this is the novelization and i had to do something else nice. so i broke into the guy's house and knocked him out that's hilarious yeah so yeah um pretty uh, pretty incredible so Grandpa Fred sees all this mayhem breaking out, and he notices that no film crews for the news can get into the building in order to cover it, and as we stated, he has always wanted to be a news anchor, and he's like, hey, I'm inside, I could cover this, all I need is a cameraman. And uh, he finds uh, Getty Watanabe, who points out that not only can he work a camera... He is a camera. Yeah. So they decide to start covering what's going on. Gizmo. Gizmo gets away from the gremlins and he starts working out in order to turn himself into a little Rambo. Instantaneous jacked. Yeah. Um, And uh, Daniel Clamp. Daniel Clamp sees the news and how they're covering things and is on the phone with somebody complaining about how the media is covering the situation. Yep. Yeah, he is. Or, or this situation, but the, about the media in general. He's like, they take your quotes, they take them out of context, they twist them into something different. Fake he's news. basically saying fake news. Fake news. Yeah, I thought that was prescient. Jesus Christ. Um, so, anyway, he all, he takes that opportunity to, to show Billy his uh, end of the world video. Because he thinks maybe it is. But Billy comes up with a brilliant plan, which is that they can trick the gremlins into getting all into the... But they can move the clocks ahead to trick the gremlins into thinking that it's later than it is. So that they all gather in the lobby in order to prepare to leave the building to get out into New York City. And then they drop a, you know, like, blind that they have over the windows so that the sunlight comes in to fry them because the sun kills the gremlins a perfectly sized night painted scene on a giant like 40 by 40 foot cloth that's right that they just had that fits over the lobby windows well they're really close to broadway (laughs) fair enough yeah it's a broadway backdrop okay Yeah, yeah exactly all right and clamp's excited about this because it gives him an excuse to use his secret escape tunnel yeah that is pretty cool to tell you the truth I yeah. would love to have an escape tunnel. He comes up through a uh, a tree planted on the sidewalk in like a tube. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Yeah. Uh, do you remember what time they're supposed to make their move? <laughs> so they work backwards. They say, okay, the sunset is at 735 today. So uh, we should start. We should start our move at 420. Now, I'm sure it's just a coincidence, right? I mean, when did that start? I don't know, man. Like the 60s? When did people start smoking weed? That can't have been a thing since the 60s, can it? I don't know. Look it up. (sighs) Google. Okay. I'm punching into Google. When is 420? When did 420 start? The 1970s. (laughs) All right. There you go. Okay. Never mind. I guess it really was an inside joke. Um, we cut back to Marla, who inexplicably finds herself caught in a giant spider web. And her response to this is to say, 
this is new. (laughs) (laughs) This wasn't here yesterday. Grandpa Fred interviews the brainy gremlin, and I just had to write down one of the lines that he says during this interview because I've always loved it, which is, I remembered this since I was a little kid. He's, He's talking about what the gremlins want. Okay. And uh, he's talking about how they want, you know, civilization and how they want what humans want. And he says, now, bear in mind, none of us has been in New York before. There's the Broadway shows. We'll have to find out how to buy tickets. And there's the street crime. I believe we can watch that for free. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Oh, it's it's so fucking funny. Billy, meanwhile, has been knocked out by the uh, crazy gremlin and is about to be subjected to an unwilling dentist appointment. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of the worst things to have to go through, I think. Yeah. Full pain dentistry. Hmm. Yeah. So I wanted to mention this because you asked uh, about a line the gremlin had uh, in the scene. The gremlin says, is it safe? Yeah. Which I I recognize as being from something, but I, I couldn't place it. Yeah. The line and indeed the entire scene is a reference to the movie Marathon Man. Okay. It's a movie with Laurence Olivier and Dustin Hoffman where a Nazi war criminal who has escaped justice and is in New York City um, is a dentist Mm. or like, you know, that was his profession. And he tortures Dustin Hoffman. Oh, wow. And uh, he's torturing him for information in a dentist chair. And what he wants to know is, is it safe? So that's what that scene's reference to. Wow. Jeez. Kate finds Marla, and uh, <laughs> she's kind of like, hey, Marla, I could free you, but I can't help but reflect on the fact that uh, I think you tried to have sex with my boyfriend, fiance, yeah. my future husband, my future husband, <laughs> to use room terminology. <laughs> um because she noticed earlier that Billy had a uh, lipstick on his face, right? From Marla left, kissing him, left with Marla uh, for dinner with her arm around his shoulder, right? So Marla comes clean and admits that she uh, tried to hit on Billy, but that nothing happened. So Kate cuts her cuts her free, but then here comes Spider Mohawk, mm-hmm. which again, pretty scary, I think. I mean, he's huge. Yeah, he's made all these crazy webs, and he's he's good very sound effect too. I think this like there's this spider mm-hmm. sound effect mm-hmm, yeah. they have for him that's pretty creepy. But fortunately, here comes Rambo Gizmo, yeah, saving the day, which you know, good for him. Comes in with a with a flaming arrow made out of a uh, bottle of whiteout on the end <laughs> of a pencil. Yeah, and then we get. Maybe my favorite part of the whole movie, which is a callback to movie one. When Billy is having a low moment and Mr. Futterman says something about like, we're not going to give up. Would Washington give up? Would Lincoln give up? <laughs> oh, yeah. And don't Kate, talk to me about Lincoln. Don't mention Lincoln. Something terrible happened to me on Lincoln's birthday. Lincoln's birthday. It doesn't even exist anymore. But Kate, evidently, poor Kate, has had some kind of terrible thing happen to her on every major (laughs) and minor (laughs) holiday. Oh, my God. It is the funniest. I didn't even get it 
really the first time because when I had seen as a kid, keep in mind that when I was watching Gremlins two as a kid, I had never seen Gremlins one. Right. So and, and they don't let her get away with the story. No, they cut her Billy's off. Like, That's okay, the best okay, part. Okay, okay, He's just stop. like, no, Kate. I can't. You kind of get the impression too that Billy having dated Kate now for so long has just been hearing these stories like every holiday. every fucking he's like oh my god not another Kate holiday story fourth of July fireworks <laughs> yeah. I can still remember when my cousin's body came washing up on shore <laughs> illuminated by all the fireworks oh my god it's just oh my god yeah that was a nice throwback oh it is the be- it I think it is the single best like easter egg reference i don't know i don't even know what you would call it but like oh it's just (laughs) so good and so they make it to the lobby where all the gremlins have gathered and they begin to perform a musical number yep and now, as much you mentioned that that da 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 is kind of similar to the theme song. Da 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 da. It is, yeah. They they know what floats their boat. Right. Um. Well, and as Mr. Flutterman rightly says during that scene, these guys aren't bad. Right. They they aren't bad. They've got the they've got a choreographed dance number. Yeah, he does a pretty good Sinatra. They've got those like uh, placards done up to make the female gremlin. Right, they make their own stage. Yeah, it's no, they they are damn good. Um, but unfortunately, just as they're about to launch their plan, the thunder starts, and it's about to start raining. Mm-hmm. Which, if the gremlins get outside, is going to be an absolute catastrophe. Yeah, not only do they not have the sun, but they've got rain. Yeah, exactly. So, what are they going to do? On the spot, Billy comes up with a plan that is actually pretty effing genius. Yeah. Do you want to lay it out? He tells Futterman to go grab the fire hose. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's more water, buddy. What are you doing? That's just insane. just going to multiply, right? What? What? But he remembers that earlier the electricity gremlin became caught in the phone system up in... Um, clamp's office right so he he tells um marla is it marla or no he has kate do it kate gets it uh gets it out of the phone so he says can you basically transfer the call from uh clamp's office down to here because every remember everybody has a task including marla oh yeah marla you smoke got it got it (laughs) she's smoking the entire time so uh he has futterman uh, douse them all basically, and they start they start reproducing. We get the boil effect again. Um, you know, if if this if this doesn't play off, we're gonna have you know five hundred percent more gremlins on our hands. Yeah. And um, uh, Kate transfers the electricity gremlin through the phone onto the pile of soaking wet gremlins, and they electrocute and disintegrate in fantastic fashion well they 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 melt into these disgusting goop puddles yeah and and there's some great effects here where you can see you know they still kind of are alive when they're basically nothing more than skeletons with like goo hanging off their bones and it's it's actually a pretty cool scene i'm melting i'm melting (laughs) yeah there's a yeah we haven't really talked about it much but um 
throughout the film they they get more and more clothed um and they so they they each have their own unique little get-ups and uh what dave's referring to is there's one that's dressed like the uh wicked witch of the west um and and has that classic uh, wizard of oz line how apropos yeah. yes um so they're all dead fortunately or so we think anyway and uh here comes Daniel Clamp trying to bust into the building with an assault team. They have a, a little bit of trouble with some of the doors, but... Uh, <laughs> they try to go through both sets of revolving doors. They're both busted. So people have been through. having trouble with those doors yeah. throughout the entire movie. Go through the old-fashioned door. Yeah. But everything's all taken care of, so you know we basically start getting wrap-up. Um, Billy gets in good with Clamp, who's really impressed with his drawing of his hometown. Kingston Falls. Kingston Falls, but uh, Clamp Corners. <laughs> Clamp Corners, where life slows down to a crawl. <laughs> yes. The biggest, most expansive, quiet little town. Yes, he wants to develop this idyllic suburb in his new project in New Jersey. Exactly. Um, he also sees Gizmo, and what does he see? Merchandising. He sees suction cups on the hands in the back seat of every... And the rear view window of every backseat of every car. And a float in the Macy's Day Parade. Did, did that actually happen? I believe so, it yeah. Must have. Yeah. Again, super meta. Um, and Marla gets to be his PR person. Again, referencing... Donald Trump. The man, the, the yes. Dude. That, that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, finally, the very last scene, we check in with the asshole security guy, Mr. Forster, who uh, is told by Clamp that uh, he can take half a day off before (laughs) getting back to work, fixing everything up in the building. And it is implied that he is going to spend that half a day off being assaulted by the sole remaining living gremlin who was not killed in the lobby, the female gremlin. Yeah. Who's got a big old wedding dress? I was gonna say hard on for him. <laughs> She's got a wide on for him. <laughs> yeah, but it is also kind of implied the face he makes at the end. He goes from kind of scared to kind of having this like he goes. He's kind of like oh god, whatever. No. I've, I've done worse. Oh, I'm sure he has. <laughs> and so in its own way, it's kind of a happy ending for everybody. Sure. The end. Well, but it begs the question, who's, you know... Who's going to officiate, mark, the, the, who's gonna officiate the wedding? There's, um, there's still a bad gremlin out there. It's true. It keeps the door open. So that's the end of the movie. Brian, I loved watching that shit. Yeah, it was great. It was so awesome. Let's talk just a teeny tiny bit about some stuff about the movie's performance, shall we? This film had a budget of $50 million. Wow. They gave them some money for this. It's How- a lot of robots. <laughs> <laughs> How much money do you think it made? Um, seventy-eight five. You are incorrect. This movie was not a financial success. Oh, come on, public. I know. Come on. Well, part of the problem, Brian, is that it came out on the same day as Dick Tracy. That old chestnut? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I mean, that I, I remember going to see Dick Tracy. It was a big film, right? I, I saw Dick Tracy in theaters. I did too. I, I didn't see this. I also did not. Shit. We both failed because this, Brian, is a better movie. Absolutely. No, I don't remember. All I remember is a yellow suit. Yeah. I'm going to remember Gremlins 2 for the rest of my life. Goddamn right. <laughs> it made $41 million. Oh, no. It didn't even break even. It didn't even break even. It was box office bomb. Uh, it did manage to make $28 more million in rentals. Wow. But that is still not a financial success. Right. Um, you got to make, you got to do more than just break even. Um, so, unfortunately, it wasn't successful in that way but over time it has come to be viewed as a bit of a cult classic yep. if you will so it's it's you know reputation is okay amongst those in the know <laughs> cool kids like you and me bry yeah i count myself in the know now yeah you're part of the club um on rotten tomatoes it has a 71 percent from critics only a 57% from the audience. What is wrong with the viewing public? They're fucking idiots. Wow. And I think you know that. Here's a question. Yeah. Leonard Malton. I'll tell you. <laughs> Leonard Malton gave Gremlins one, two stars. One, two stars? Leonard Malton gave the first Gremlins. Oh, oh okay. Thank two you. stars. Leonard Malton gave gremlins two three stars <laughs> is this a five star system it's out of four. Oh, yeah all right 75%. i think it's out of four i'm pretty sure it's out of four uh yeah so uh you, you have to think though brian is this influenced by the fact that yeah. he was in the movie it has to be it, you know it's just straight up dishonest bribery it's, yeah it's fraud it's self-serving yeah Go see this movie I was in. Exactly. He probably gets a cut of every single stream. Right. Five cents. You know, what a what a dirty, underhanded sneak. No, but uh, so Leonard Malton did give it a slightly better review. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's Gremlins 2. But the most important review of all, Brian, is the Brian review. Listen, I'm not even going to say it. We know. We both know. This movie's amazing. I'm going to watch this every year on Thanksgiving Day. It's a new Thanksmas tradition. <laughs> yeah, this was great, man. I'm going to recommend this to all my friends. Awesome. But wait, there's a question unanswered. Oh. What's the rating? MPAA. This movie, Brian. Yo. Was rated PG-13. Ah, nailed it. You did indeed. I missed the big city. I missed the Christmas or non-Christmas, but I got that PG-13. Yeah. Last thing. Do you consider this film to have been better late or never? Better late. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Again, this is one of my most cherished childhood movies so the fact that you liked it too means a lot and uh i'm just glad you liked it as much as i did so cool i sure did dave thanks for thanks for sharing it with me oh you're welcome dave. now let's get to work on gremlins 3 
Gremlins 3, Gremlins International. Beijing's Revenge. Oh, yes. I, I did say I was going to circle back to that. They've been trying to make a, uh, a Gremlins-like TV show called Secrets of the Mogwai. Whoa. Um, I don't know how that's coming along, but um, could happen. I They got some secrets? Yeah, dude. Whoa. I mean, with, there's still a lot of unanswered questions about these guys. I'm, I'm not going to lie. So yeah. So I'd be into their secrets. <laughs> sure. Like, how did they form a band? <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, what are they? Where are they from? Why? Why is how? Gizmo the only good one? Why are they born evil? Also, how did no one remember when this happened the first time? When so does, many questions. When does the time reset? When are, yeah. Give me those secrets. I need to know. Um, but... Long story short, that is our show for this week. That is our show for this year. Because, again, Merry Christmas. We will be coming back after New Year's in 2021. So we will see you when the New Year starts. But if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at betterlatethanneverpod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at betterlatethanneverpod underscore pod please contact us like and subscribe to the podcast leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts or do whatever it is they tell you to do on all those other podcasts they give you good instructions just do all of that stuff that would mean a lot to us engagement always helps just do all that stuff it'd be great Oh, start your own podcast purely dedicated to talking up this podcast. The Better Late Than Never Suggestion Cast. I don't know. Whatever. Just do all that. But the most important thing is Merry Christmas. We'll catch you all next time. We'll catch you in 2021. Bye. Bye.